What do you think the Fed's goal is right now? The Fed's goal right now is to slow down the economy. Slow down the economy. And if that is their goal and they look at things like home prices going down or kind of a prerequisite, right? You got to have home prices go down to slow down the economy. You want to bring inflation down? That has to come down. That's that's the one area where they have the tightest hold on. Yeah, I, w- I would say, eh, no, I think the banks, banking sector is getting a little more constricted now than anything else. Mm-hmm. And I would say Jerome Powell pretty much came out and said, bank consolidation is not a problem. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Mm. What a week we had. Man, Jerome Powell. Jerome Powell came out swinging, didn't say anything for a full week and a half, almost two weeks, and then dropped a hammer. He did. We're going to talk about that FOMC meeting, but first, before we do, we're going to talk about Janet Yellen, some of her comments about the U.S. possibly intervening. Home prices fell in February for the first time in 11 years. This on the heel of what was a dramatic turnaround in transactional volume. Right. We're going to talk about some layoffs, which is always not the, the best thing to talk about in the show, but it is real. And we're going to talk about Gen Z and their credit card debt. There is a palpable difference in what's going on with that particular demographic versus the rest of America right now. Okay. But before we get into all of it, all of it, before we get into any of that, I want to take a minute of pause in a moment of silence. <laughs> the economy. Oh, damn. Because your boy Jerome Powell murdered it. <laughs> yeah, he said, leave it to me, guys. Yeah. I got this. Hold my beer. You clearly came out listening to Ice Cube's No Vaseline. <laughs> Was very amped up and decided he was going to kill something. <laughs> he had to. And he killed all of our wallets. I mean, look, at the end of the day, if we're being honest. Intellectually honest anyway. Intellectually honest. No matter what he did, he would have been criticized for it. That's not true. 100%. No, true. no, no, no. I, I know that there is. We going to start the show like this? Let's do this. Okay. Yeah. Jerome Powell came out and he increased rates 25 basis points, moving the terminal rate to 5%. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting conundrum because there are those of us bankers who felt that not raising rates and waiting until May would have not have been a problem. The supporters of the FOMC and the Fed say that if the Fed did that, they may have lost face Mm -hmm. and the credibility that they've so eagerly worked for. Right. Okay, fine. But are you really losing credibility if you say, whoa? Some shit happened. Right. We're data driven. Right. 
The banking sector's clearly got a problem right now. That's a data point. But that's not the data that they look at. I know. Primarily. I know, but I'm just saying. The, the data points that they were looking at when those came out, he was saying 50 basis points. So if anything, he did give it a little bit of a haircut for the banking sector. But then you throw in new words. New words. We're going to be working on additional firming. What are you in the fucking 1980s toning? What is, what is he doing? Is that what we're doing now? You know, he's, he's doing air squats. He's trying it to. Just, it made he's no. To, he <laughs> said it. I swear to God, I thought I, I thought I saw him laughing. <laughs> he's like, oh, he like said, he said, you know what he, he just, did? He said, I heard you guys with the whole no landing pitch. I got something for y'all. Yeah, I'm going to throw out some more. He's now messing with us. Yeah, that's what he's doing. He gave us to Jim Cramer. He did. He did. He gave us the Jimmy. Yeah. The Jimmy? The Jimmy Kramer. <laughs> he gave us the Jimmy Kramer. The Jimmy. He just came out and made some shit up and just said it with a straight face to the whole world. Everyone's like, oh, we're going to firm now. Yeah. He's got a mean poker face. Mean, well, I, don't, I think that's the only face he's got. That's yeah. that's his sex face. That's his happy face. That's his sad face. <laughs> that's all the faces. He's a, he's a one-face pony. He's got, exactly. he's got nothing else. So before this, however, Janet Yellen, your treasury secretary. Mm came out and said the U.S. could intervene again to protect the banking system. And I laugh a little bit. We're going to play this video. It's two minutes and 52 seconds. And I promise you, it's going to be just as comical because I'm going to tell you what happened after this happened. Right. Shortly after this happened, after the video's done. Varun, would you be so kind as to bless us with a Janet Yellen? Let's see if he gets this right. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it wasn't going to yep. be right. Yeah, he failed. It's the internet, man. What? <laughs> don't blame the don't internet. Don't blame the internet. Man. You just had a plane like a minute ago. Yeah. Come on, Dad. Why is it not playing? I feel like you don't know what you're doing. Maybe you should refresh the page. Yeah, why don't you refresh the page, bro? It's okay. Uh, it does, look, the internet looks fine to me. Yeah. See? This is 0 for 2 in the intern. And then you got to tap for sound. Turn that on. There you go. Now hit play. Oh, there's a commercial uh, too. Uh, I muted Let's it. See how professional you are. Buy 10 seconds of time. 10 seconds of time. Well... While Arun's fucking around and finding out. (laughs) (laughs) This is still better for the record than the last. recent actions (laughs) have demonstrated the government's. Go ahead, finish your thought, Chris. Uh, This is still better than the last episode where you decided to pull a rogue, like, button push on the the sound panel. On the sound bar, yeah. Yeah, that was completely inappropriate. Yeah. Saiyan almost walked out on you. (laughs) Exactly. Let's go. Here we go. The government's recent actions have demonstrated our resolute commitment to take the necessary steps to ensure that depositors' savings and the banking system remain safe. Our approach had two main pillars. First, we worked with the Federal Reserve and FDIC to protect all depositors in the resolutions of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. The steps we took were not focused on aiding specific banks or classes of banks. Our intervention was necessary to protect the broader U.S. banking system. And similar actions could be warranted if smaller institutions suffered deposit runs that posed the risk of contagion. You can end it there. Yeah, that's all we need to hear. That's all you need to hear. So basically... Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is saying that the FDIC could possibly work to backstop deposits, depositors. And it didn't matter if it was those two institutions, it would have been any institution. Any institutions to stop the contagion, the stress in the banking sector. Yes, just not Silvergate. The right, 
too soon. <laughs> Silvergate was a crypto bank, yeah. though, brother. But yeah, so she's saying all the right things, mm -hmm. giving people all the feels. Mm -hmm. Except there was one little problem. FDSC came out afterward and said, no, nah, we're not doing that. We're not backstopping everybody. <laughs> right after. Yeah, right, right, a, right after. 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 You know, this Damn was, near immediately after. This was like her like just making a plea. Please, please, depositors, don't let this happen under my now, watch. I, I am not a Janet Yellen fan. Right. I am not. But I will tell you, Janet Yellen has gotten a lot more of this right that she's gotten wrong this time. Yeah. I will say the timing of this particular conference was interesting, mm -hmm. but she has been pretty vocal in that she wants to backstop depositors and stop this run on the banking system, this contagion, this fear that she referenced. Right. So I don't think anything she said was wrong, but clearly that is not the intent. And this brought to mind something that I thought we should share on the show. Okay. I think we all think of the FDIC, the DFPI in California, which is a state regulator, and the Fed have the same goal. I would argue they do not right now. Right now. I would argue there's very much a difference of interest. The FDIC, they want to protect depositors. Absolutely. They want to protect the system. They want to protect the system so they don't have to pay out. Yeah, their insurance. Right. Exactly. Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. What do you think the Fed's goal is right now? The Fed's goal right now is to slow down the economy. Slow down the economy. And if that is their goal, and they look at things like home prices going down are kind of a prerequisite, right? You got to have home prices go down to slow down the economy. Mm -hmm. You want to bring inflation down, that has to come down. That's, that's the one area where they have the tightest hold on. Yeah, I, I would say, eh, no, I think the banks, banking sector is getting a little more constricted now than anything else. Mm -hmm. And I would say Jerome Powell pretty much came out and said... Bank consolidation is not a problem. Yeah. yeah. He said that? The credit market's drying up. Mm -hmm. He literally talked about the credit market's drying up and there being less access to credit as mm -hmm. a natural byproduct of this. Right. He wants M&A activity. He wants it to happen. Now, I would argue from a banker's perspective, and this is not biased, this is me being worried about the macroeconomic effect of when you start drying up credit and you start pulling out money out of the, the economy mm -hmm. and now you start drying up credit because these banks are tightening credit, you know, credit policy procedure. Right. The consumer is going to suffer. And maybe that's what he wants because he wants consumer discretionary spending to pull back. Yes. And he wants there to be a palpable pullback. But you could have done the same thing without bank failures. Right. Well, let's give everyone a quick little recap because we have gotten some new listeners. Okay. One or two. One or two. So the Fed tries to control inflation with their tool of raising the Fed funds rate. The Fed funds rate is the primary tool for doing so, but there are others. Right. If the if the Fed funds rate goes up, which it has at a historically fast pace, mm -hmm. right, it will slow down the economy by making it more expensive to borrow money for businesses and expansion, and which will ultimately decrease demand from people and also make it less affordable right. for you to do anything, right? The idea then is with less demand, prices will come down and the economy will slow down. Okay, so I want to use this right now as a classic example to show you how. So where do you get the definition from? Did you was this like a website? Or no, this was this was me just typing it out. I okay. to make sure I got it. It sounded like it came from someplace. So good, this is why you're the chief economist of the higher standard. This is the core concept that most people in the real estate game miss. Yes, demand went down mm -hmm. because things cost more money and people couldn't afford it. They couldn't afford it. Right. Which is why this whole argument of like Dave Ramsey, who we love mm -hmm. so much, that's sarcasm, just for the record, sarcasm. Yeah. This is why the whole, there's not enough supply. 
And supply and demand control the market. And if supply doesn't creep up, demand will always be there. No, demand without affordability is not demand. That is absolutely what you just said, but you cited the the cost of funds and the implications to demand. That's gotta it's be no t- different. That's got to be t-shirt number one for us. What's that? Demand without affordability is not demand? Has to be. Yeah. And then like a middle finger on the back shaped like Dave Ramsey. Right. It's got to be, the, you know what it's got to be? It's got to be D for demand and then with the equal sign with a slash through it, affordability, equal sign with a slash through it, D for demand. I had a couple people on Twitter today, which I don't have a big following on, like tag me on comments on other people saying demand without affordability is not demand. I got to trade. We got to trademark that, man. We got yeah. to get on that. We got to get like, on I, that. I've been lazy. Exactly. Although trademarks are running like 14 months behind right now, man. It's right. absurd. It's, it's a whole thing. <laughs> so in a higher interest rate market, What's expected is unemployment to go up. That's what Jerome Powell is ex- he's expecting to happen and eventually. That, that is one of the biggest complaints against him is that in order to hit the numbers that he wants to get to, the argument is it's approximately 2 million people unemployed. Right. But what the, the people who are citing that are smart enough to also realize that the low unemployment is the cause of wage inflation. Okay. Well, wage inflation is, or higher salaries, exactly, is when... There's a rise in the cost of goods results from high wages. Yep. Right? Employers must increase the prices they charge for the goods and services they provide after an increase in wages in order to maintain their profits. Which goes to show you that this is all very much interwoven. Exactly. So you can imagine. So people would need to lose their jobs, right, in order for people to start getting paid less, in order for goods to start coming down. So that, in a nutshell, is... What needs to happen? But what I will say is I I don't know that it needs to happen as fast. I don't know that it should happen as fast as the Fed is trying. I agree. It's it's very odd with it's very odd with how fast this has all been going. We know that an election is right around the corner. And they're worried about hyperinflation, right? Where things get super expensive super quickly. Right. Milton Friedman and, and some other economists were the ones that made that proposed the original theory. That in order to bring inflation down to the 2% target rate, mm-hmm. you have to have a Fed target rate above inflation. Yes. Right? Uh, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, you're... So right now, the Fed target rate's 5% mm-hmm. and inflation's 6%. Yeah. In theory, that'll come down a little bit. And I think that's why the Fed has been reluctant to slow on pausing or stop pausing is they think they have to hit that inflection point. Yes. I don't really know if that's necessarily true. And even if it is true, here's what I would argue. You don't have to hit it at a rapid cadence, an unprecedented cadence. You could hit it over time. There was nothing wrong with the Fed not raising rates right now, not cutting rates, but not raising rates and waiting until May to see where inflation goes. Right. But this It's whole, not like inflation is going to stop moving if you stop, if you slow down. But the way they've positioned this all along was with the initial interest rate hike, I, I can't remember, was it the, the first one was at 50 basis points? And then from there, they went 75, 74, 75 basis point heights in a row, right? And then they slowly started to decrease, right? A pause and then ultimately turning it back on again, it would show that, you know, there is some favoritism towards the bank system. Now, it would also show- Is that favoritism or is that an appreciation for the macroeconomic impact? You heard me on the last show talk about- how important regional banks are. I can only imagine the outrage that would happen. It's like, okay, their jobs matter. No, no, not their jobs. I'm not saying I'm not saying people in the banking sector don't get laid off. Yeah. We're already seeing layoffs in the banking sector. Yes. I'm not saying 
that you should bail out banks. No. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, is if you have net interest margin compression, profitability for banks gets crushed and crushed and crushed even more. Right. Right. To the point where now banks are going to kind of get on the verge of losing money. Force them into M&A activity. Let yeah. them sell. Mm-hmm. Let the shareholders get something for their money. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's going to be top dollar. It's not going to be top dollar right now because all these stocks aren't trading high anyway. Right. You're not going to get a multiple that's high. What you are going to get is an opportunity to take those assets and sell it to an institution that the combined entity is better. Now, some people are going to lose their jobs when that happens. Yes. 100%. I'm not saying there shouldn't be consolidation in the sector. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that these things, that the bank sector is any different than anything else. Mm-hmm. How many tech companies are you hearing going out of business? Yeah. You're hearing layoffs. Right. Right? Startups you hear going out of business. I, I hear you. Yeah. How many real estate companies do you hear completely going out of business? Right. You're not. You're hearing layoffs. Yes. Why is it banks have to shut down now? Right. Like why? So I, in my mind, it's it's discriminatory impact. Mm-hmm. You got banks that are literally shutting down. Yeah. Even with sound practices. Sound practice. Well, sound practices that have worked for decades. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. they're shutting down. Yeah. And the part that people I don't think understand is they think that I'm advocating for the bank sector because I'm a banker. Mm. No. I'm advocating for what comes next. Mm-hmm. We have often said on this show, the pain for the consumer will not be the increasing rates. It'll be the holding rates. Absolutely. Right? And the reason why is when liquidity is drawn out of the system, when credit markets dry up, right. when wages start coming down, mm-hmm. unemployment goes up, and then you wait. And then you wait. And then you feel the pain that you're feeling now every time interest rates go up, right? You That's going to stay consistent, mm-hmm. right? Right now with interest rates going up, Mortgages are have been going up, right? Uh, your thirty-year fixed-rate mortgage, the pricing is going up. It did a little bit this week. I think, it did, I think, but yeah. it, but it, it ultimately it's gonna it's gonna creep back. The up. Treasury's got all out of whack. This is one of the most wacky two-week periods. I sort of got to feel like I lived ten years in the last two weeks. Right. Um, auto loans become more expensive. Credit cards. Oh my God! I got some stats here on credit card rates. I know we're gonna get into it a little bit later on. Yeah, we, on we can a, do it now if you want on, to on another article. Can, no, but I have some now. stuff on what Jerome Powell said. Um, and his presser afterwards that I think is also really important and uh, something that all the FOMC members said. So first, let's see, uh, Jay Powell, he went, so he went from, if you compare what he said in this meeting to what he said in the last meeting, he said the job market is picking up, where in the last last meeting he was saying it was robust, mm-hmm. right? He's these, these key phrases are the tea leaves that he's See, and he's I don't dropping. like how he keeps changing his language. Like, if, if, you're, if you're me, if I'm... Jerome Powell, and I'm out mm-hmm. there, like, be consistent. I said it was robust the last time. This and this have changed, and now our perspective is it is still robust, or it is less robust, or it is different. Well, that's what he said. Why, why he's throw saying. out different terms? Well, he's saying it's picking up because he's right, right? We saw 500,000 jobs added in January, 300,000 jobs added in February. Like, it, it's more than what it was. So he's saying so, it's picking can I up. Can pause right here? That's 800,000 jobs in two months. Fucking insane. And yet his, criti- his critics are mm-hmm. saying... Oh my God, man! Two million people are gonna lose their job, man. <laughs> we just added eight hundred thousand jobs. Yeah, yeah. If we didn't add those jobs, mm-hmm. and we lost another million, which frankly I think we're close to anyway with the layoffs that we've seen, and we'll talk about that later on in the show. Right. I know it sounds like a lot. I know it sounds cold-hearted, mm-hmm. but that's not a lot of people relative to the world, man. Right. So if that could make the world a better place, make the world. A better place yeah. for you. Supposed to Emmy. Emmy. Damn it, Saeed. I don't know that song, bro. Really? You're dating yourself again. I'm not dating myself. And if I did date myself, I'd be very happy. I'm very sexy. Yeah. So, and with that, he also, in the last meeting, he said, 
that inflation had been easing somewhat, right? But now what he's saying is inflation remains elevated. Yes. Yeah. He's signal he's He's signaling what he's signaling is like that's hey, a contradiction. I'm talking about contradiction, contradiction though, bro. But but what he's saying, he's also signaling like, hey, you y'all can expect another one after this. Yeah, he's basically he's putting the baby powder on in front of us. Yeah, right. Powder me, bitch. He's like powder my hand. <laughs> hey, Janet, powder it. <laughs> exactly. So and then he goes on to say so that he actually I think he left out the Ukraine war this time around. Yeah, why even bring it up? Yeah, he, so he's he, fighting a war right here in the USA. And he actually touches on the banking system. He says he's trying to this is all he did. He, this is all all he did for us. I'm going to be honest with you. This, this pissed me off to no end. J this, this part just be, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to get angry when you say this. Just US, don't look don't look at me when you say it. US banking system is sound and resilient. You motherfucker. <laughs> hey, that's a lie. <laughs> and it, hey, it don't feel it. It doesn't feel like it is. Jamie and I are tight. They got billions and billions of dollars off <laughs> yeah. this. Jamie said he yeah. got all y'all back. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, Brian Moynihan got fifteen billion. Right. It's all good. B of A's cash. It doesn't feel like it's resilient, my guy. You know what pissed me off the most about this? Yeah. And I, I've I've been all over the Twitter sphere with this. Yeah. Why is it they keep asking the globally systematic important banks, mm -hmm. the Wells, the Chase, the B of A, the City? Why do they keep asking them about the health of the bank? What the fuck, man? Yeah, man. Why why are you not seeing community bankers on television? Yeah. I understand there's a lot of them out there and that you know you you pick one community versus another community, mm -hmm. then maybe they have subject matter expertise in the area, but why are you asking Jamie Dimon right. about the impacts? He's profiting off this. If you listen if you listen to the last episode, you'll you'll get it. But we basically dove into these small regional banks really help small to mid-sized businesses. 45% of consumer lending takes place at the small and medium-sized bank level. Yes. 80% of commercial real estate takes place at that level. 80%. Right. And we and we talked about how much they contribute to the money supply all, all around. And yet, we're not even asking them how they're doing. And the media, let's, let's be honest, I understand the Fed regulators are probably talking to them. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, I get that. And there's probably some communication trail which gets up to somebody who has some connections with the FOMC. Whatever. Right. Right? But the media drives a lot of what's happening. The behavioral economics is driven by the media, by TikTok, by Twitter, by the shit that we just choose to ignore sometimes. Right. And yet we're not talking to the people on the front lines? Why? Yeah. Because people aren't tuning in unless it's someone they know. Yeah, but that's biased reporting, man. It Look, Jamie's the influencer, man. He's not. He's the influencer everybody wants to hear from. So this is, so Jerome Powell goes on, this is the quote. Recent developments are likely to result in tighter credit conditions for households yep. and businesses and to weigh on economic activity, hiring, and inflation. Yeah. The, the extent of these effects is uncertain. Yeah. We know that. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. You, you, might, you might shut us all down, bro. Yeah. Single-handedly, the committee remains highly attentive to inflation risks. Really? Highly yeah. attentive to inflation risks? Yeah. Translated loosely, all that other shit y'all saying out there, we don't care. So, but here's here's where I, I feel like, look. You know what they said? We we talked about this on the show, and we saw it, and we were watching it in real time. The Pissed me off to no the, end in the real projections, time. The projections, the projections, the, what is it, the world interest rate probability? Mm-hmm. Um, I had never seen it fluctuate the way it was fluctuating. I don't think anybody had. But here's the thing. That wasn't normal if it stuff, was, man. If it, was, if it was projected for them to raise it 50 basis points, it was an 80% chance at one point. Yeah. If it 80% chance and then it swings back completely the other way, mm -hmm. how, how can he sit up there and defend going nothing? 
Like there's that there's too much uncertainty, too much volatility. The market had priced in 25 basis points by the time the FOMC meeting met. Right. That was priced in. Right. Okay. So then So all I'm saying is this is like so the market priced it in and you don't do it. The market will have a little bit of a rally. That's not a bad thing. It's not a linear like it shouldn't be a linear path straight to 2% inflation. Right. Having a little bit of peaks and valleys and taking the time to be thoughtful about this process. Mm -hmm. I mean, shit, man, we spent 14 years getting here. I know. Now all of a sudden we want to spend a year undoing it and like, oopsies. Like right. it's not this is not a joke. Not a joke. And why why Jerome Powell's out there? With his joke face, which looks just like his sex face, and all the other faces that he has <laughs> yeah, got like, all on this press release. The fact that he didn't say a fucking word. He's the Kawhi Leonard of the financial market. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard, bro. Stone face. Stone like, face. Nothing, just, the all same the, face all, all the, the time. time. It's crazy. All the time. That's Jerome Powell. Yeah. I mean, damn it. Yeah. And so he didn't say anything. Why is Janet Yellen the voice of reason? Are we, are we in the opposite world? Yeah. Opposite world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the fact that she's the voice of reason is really... No, I don't like Janet but, Yellen. But here's the thing. So... There's, there's a little bit of good news here. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. We talked about before on previous episodes that, Odin, could you do me a favor? Can you Google a summary of economic projection, please? So this report comes out after the FOM, FOMC meetings. Mm -hmm. Odin falls asleep behind the wheel. What's going on? I don't know what he's doing over there. Yeah. Oh, oh he pulled oh, the other screen. Oh, okay, so pull, uh, click that first link, please. Thank you, sir. Good man. Summary of economic projections. Can you scroll down a little bit? There's there's this thing here that is a plot map. Keep going. Keep going. Right up, up. Right there. Okay. So if you look on the bottom, on the far left, 2023. So this is it, figure it, two, FOMC participants assessment of appropriate monetary policy, so, midpoint of target range or target level for the federal funds rate. So what basically what, what, what this is, is this is a report from the FOMC members that represents their projections mm -hmm. based on the data that they reviewed on where they feel like the uh, you know target terminal rate will be. And if you see, if you remember in the past on the last one that was that came out, their projected rate was between five point one to five point four percent, meaning, and we know this goes in twenty five basis points, right increments. It actually a majority of the members had voted at five and a half percent. Yeah. This time around, a majority of them are now at five and a quarter. Yeah, yeah. So that is a little bit of sunlight. One asshole went all the way up to six. <laughs> I know. I know who that is. Neil Kashkari. <laughs> Fuck you, Cash. No, Waller too. Yeah, it's probably Neil. Probably Neil. Neil. Neil's been out there bullish as shit in the media. But that's a good sign because if you remember, we were both of us were high on the fact that we thought that at least I know I was that they're not only going to raise it again in May, that they were also going to do it again in June. Right? No, I think we only get one more 25 base point increase. But that's what this is I think is that's saying. what that inflection point of inflation and the Fed funds terminal rate gets to. I think that's what they're hoping, too. I don't think there's a, there's a lot of confidence in that right now. But right. what I will say is this. I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. Why are we trying to do it at a record pace? What, I, what's the benefit to you, to me, to society to doing it much, much faster? Yeah. There's a lot more damage than there is benefit. I agree. And yet here we are. With the FOMC now determined to do, it's tone deaf, man. That's what that's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely tone deaf. It's a little, yeah. They're peacocking almost. It's like they gotta, they gotta, they want to stick to their guns. So let let's be clear. They the they the FOMC not going twenty five basis points and just keeping it right flat. They were worried about losing face and the confidence of the general public. Yes, I agree. Your job is not to worry about how you look. Yes. Your job is to worry about the impacts to monetary policy in the financial system. But you and I also know that if 
they're truly targeting, you know, in, the inflation rate, okay, that we know it's getting sticky, mm-hmm. icky, icky. I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> right? And we actually projected it was going to get much more sticky at the 5% mark. Yeah. We're only true. at 6 Yeah. Right it, now. It's, so, a, it's a, it's progressive load down. Progressive load, yeah. exactly. Now, from, let's see, from January to February, it finally picked up that pace again. Mm-hmm. Right? Hopefully that trend continues, which we I think that it will. I think that it will. Um I don't I, think I think that it will, but I think the 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 repercussions for society either way we were gonna go into a recession in my mind. I We've agree. been in one on some level. Mm-hmm. Either way, I think the repercussions are gonna happen. I'm not saying we should not endure the pain. I'm saying we should lay the pain out over longer. Right. So that it's not as sharp a pain. Yeah. I, and I all truth, truthfully, I think he also realizes, yo, all, it's a bad look that we did all that quantitative tightening and then we just we just injected three hundred billion more to save these banks. That wasn't him though. It wasn't just him. He, he didn't he, do that. But he he gets that he's the face. He gets that. Well, he's all. I mean, this is my problem though. I can I don't I don't know this for sure, but I can I can guarantee you, the FDIC and the Fed are at odds. Yes, I 100% agree. Their, their goals are completely different here. Yeah. And I think you got two regulators who are good regulators. Yes. Who've got different different objectives with the banking system and a different way of handling it. Mm-hmm. And I think that those two different direction, directives, while they're aligned in some ways and malaligned in other ways, mm-hmm. are causing more consternation than they should have as a team. Right. And I think that's really the backstory of what's going on at like First Republic. Right. Is there's, there's certainly a balance of power struggle going on there. Right. At least that, that's from the outside looking in, that's what it feels like. So, and then one thing, so if we want to just bring a little bit of sunshine into this podcast. Why we need sunshine? It's, yeah. This is doom and gloom day, baby. For, for our listeners out there who are, who are savers, right? When interest rates go up, you guys get to benefit a little bit from this too. You can, you can probably expect some higher interest rates on either your savings or CDs? Probably, no, you will get higher interest rates. You can go into treasuries, but I would say those those are not typically like money market accounts where you have easy access to your money. You can't mm-hmm. transact out of them. Right, CDs you can get right now, I think over 5%. Some, yeah, I think 5% is probably more normal, but yeah, a little yeah. over 5% is, right. is, is And attainable. for everyone's CDs are certificates of deposits at, at you know some savings institution. Yeah, all you do is it, effectively, you guarantee to keep the money there for a certain amount of time, usually you know six, seven months or 12, mm-hmm. 13 months. And, you keep it there for that long period of time, and they guarantee you return on your on your deposit. Yeah, and they tend to give you a little bit more, uh, I guess, favorable interest rate yield um, because your money isn't truly liquid because yeah. it's tied down for a certain period of time over a savings account. Actually, we talked about this on the previous show, but the Interfi Cedars program ICS that we talked about in the previous show, you can go yes. into. Everybody's so worried about their FD. Can everyone? Can anyone just request this? I mean, it's high net worth clients we're talking about, right? No, like, anybody can get ICS. Like if, but if you can walk into any bank no in the need, country right you now, you don't need it if you have under two hundred fifty thousand dollars. You don't need it if you have under two hundred fifty thousand dollars in an account. You don't need it. Okay. If you've got a million dollars, you can request ICS and get a hundred percent FDIC insurance from any bank you're at. Right. Like if you capitalize on selling your home at a high value and you got a lot of money sitting waiting for the market to turn. Yeah. Those type of people, and um, you're just waiting and it's sitting in an account somewhere. I mean, you should either insure that 
or maybe get some interest on it. So here's the part that bothers me. People are like, oh my God, Chris, <laughs> I had to pull the money out, man, of the bank that I was at because they, I, I, was, I just wasn't going to get FDIC insurance. No, bro. You yeah. wanted a 5% return on your deposits. Yes. And you weren't willing to take 3% to go into, or 2% to go into ICS or whatever the bank offers that you're at. Right. There are ways to do it. They just don't pay you as much because you get more security from it. Right. And I think, number one, the customer isn't educated on that. Mm-hmm. And number two, a lot of people just want the the uh, the higher the higher rate. Well, it's also their, their banker's responsibility to make sure that they're explaining it. Yeah, and, th- and that's where I think the community banks, are, again, are better, right? Yes. You call it Wells Fargo Chase, B of A, City. I'm not going to tell you that. They don't care. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to get that information. You go to like a community BFA, bank. like, we just got $15 billion. Yeah. We're not going anywhere. We're a globally systematic important company. Yeah. You don't need that. Yeah. And maybe you don't. But that's a, that's a decision you make. Right. But so, if there's anything we learned in this last week, there is some systemic fragility. Ooh, look at you. SAT vocabulary. This, there yeah. is some systemic fragility. There is. I mean, the, the fear that the customers have now and just pulling out their money. Can you imagine? All it takes is one bank after everything that First Republic went through. God forbid, if they still go down, oh my God. I mean, at this point, clearly, whoever it is at the wheel of that thing, yeah. from a regulatory perspective, they are giving that guy, that company, every chance. Yeah. Every chance not to fail. Yeah. Their stock prices hit hard. 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 You know? And it, they're, you know, they're still around. Yeah. Kudos to them. Yeah. But damn, it's got to be difficult over there. It's got to be grim. Can you imagine walking to work right now? No. Can you imagine? They say where you work. Yeah. <laughs> imagine that. Imagine the guy that, that has the audacity. Uh, can I work from home? <laughs> you got- yes, permanently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's a scary place. And I'll say this. I, I always liked First Republic. Yeah, me too. I, 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 I liked their model. I thought their high net worth appeal was, was really cool. I actually have some family members that work there. I have uh, friends. Oh, that's right. I met, I met one of the family members yeah. who was at work there. She was impressive, too. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, her. She, yeah. She, she had been around with the with that institution for a very long time. I don't know if she's still there, but also I have friends that have banked with them in the past, and they had nothing but positive things to say. Nothing. They said they rolled out the red carpet. It no, was, they do. Awesome. They're great service there. Uh, yeah. un, un, like undervalued service. I mean, truly a great organization. Arun, you had a question on the screen. Can I share what now? Uh, Arun would like me to share a personal tidbit in the banking system, but I can't do that at the moment. Right. Uh, <laughs> hence why I wrote it out. Yeah, yeah, good call. Yeah, I, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Hence why I try yeah. to get you to blow right past one, one of the challenges. <laughs> one of the challenges of being a, an executive at a publicly traded company in a climate like this is that I cannot talk about everything that I would like to talk about as much as I would like to. Right. But what I can talk about is that in all this negativity, mm-hmm. There is some positivity, and this positivity does bleed over into what we just spoke about. According to the Wall Street Journal, Dave Ramsey is a piece of shit. <laughs> that's not, that's not, we don't want to misquote the Wall Street Journal. I feel like that's exactly what it said. Uh, this is in the U.S. That's, economy that's, section. That's, Dave Ramsey is a piece of shit, <laughs> and home prices fell in February for first time in 11 years. I, I mean, they insinuated it. Dave Ramsey is a piece of shit and home prices fell in <laughs> February for first time yeah. in 11 years. I thought you were a bad reader, man. I didn't know you were that bad, bro. That's crazy. That's what it says. That's crazy. If if you can't find this article, honestly, then you honestly can't spell. Honestly, that's, I mean, Wall Street Journal, that's crazy. They are clearly aggressive on this topic. I Too don't understand aggressive. why. Yeah. So U.S. existing home prices fell from a year earlier in February for the first time in 11 years 
as a dip in mortgage rates caused home sales to surge from January levels. Mm -hmm. So that was the other part of the real estate market. We kind of hinted at the top of the show. The transactional volume from January to February got really, really high. And despite that there was more people buying, values had gone down. The national median existing home price fell 0.2% in February from a year earlier to $363,000, the first year-over-year decline since February 2012. Damn. The National Association of Realtors said on Tuesday, okay? Mm. So the people who benefit from say, not saying this said it. Right. So Lawrence Yu, Yoon? Yoon. Yoon from yeah. the National Association of Realtors. It's only three letters, bro. Don't Get like right. that guy. Well, because yeah. I try not to say his name. I don't, I don't like, really him. like him. Yeah, he chief economist over at the National Association of Realtors. Not all chief economists get along. I don't No, fuck. you I shouldn't. Am. I mean, yeah. you should pimp slap that guy when you see him. There's a lot of pimp slapping in the show, <laughs> but that's one you should do. Medium prices are down 12.3% from the record of $413,800 in June. Price figures aren't adjusted for seasonality, but who gives a shit because Dave Ramsey is a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Home prices aren't going to go down. They're going to go up every year for the next five years. Supply and demand drive the market. Right. I've been in this business for 44 years. I have these papers. I'm waving in front of me right now. And they say that I say stuff that's right. Right. Now, yes. go get some term insurance through the Ramsey Network. Yes, sir. So, go, Arun, go down to the, uh, the, the image that I posted in the notes just below this article. So this is actually a graph of the U.S. median existing home price change from a year earlier. Mm -hmm. And it shows the dip pretty palpably when you look at it this way, mm -hmm. right? You can see the February drop is, is a tiny, 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 tiny drop in the bucket, right? But that pivot means everything. Right. And this, this is before credit actually tightens up. This is just money supply coming out of the system. Right. This is before the impact to the consumer. Consumer discretionary spending is still high. But there was but here but here, with with these prices coming down, there was some data that came out that was not so good for the Fed. Existing home sales were up. Mm-hmm. Because these prices came down and people thought, oh, finally a dip. Let me but to me, that that that's nothing. What that is, that's a blip. That that's like, oh shit, values come I down. Listen, I hope so. But look, home sales are up, we're up fourteen and a half percent. But look, if this goes down and home home sales go up. That's all the people who wait on the sidelines trying mm -hmm. to jump in when they saw a little bit of a dip. This is the beginning, though. The beginning, people people pe were pe so frustrated. Don't forget, people were frustrated. They couldn't get offers in. Yes. Now the buyer has power. Mm -hmm. And because of that, people who have been waiting on the sidelines for a long, long-ass time through the pandemic, mm -hmm. yeah, it was waiting. The, it was the first monthly gain in 12 months and the largest increase since July of 2020. Yeah, and because through the pandemic, it was fucking impossible to buy a home. These people who had this frustration that they need to buy, frankly, me, okay. people like me who should be buying because they live in a small place. So if that, wasn't you know? if that wasn't frustrating enough, housing starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this, this is the measure for new home construction. This was a damn near 10% in February. Remember, remember um, three, four episodes ago, we we're like, where the fuck are all these construction jobs? Well, found them. Found them right yep. here. So this is up. So it's actually down 18.5% year over year. This is mind-blowing to me, by the way. Right. It's down, but from January, so month over month figure. This is an instance where measuring the month over month figure is more important. It went up 10%. Building permits, where they apply for permits so that they can build. Mm -hmm. Very easy to understand. Yeah. Jumped up 13.8%. Yeah, I don't get it. But I'll tell you right now, 
these banks, these globally systematic important hey, banks, they ain't getting loans. They're though. not funding this. <laughs> yeah, they're not getting loans. They're not getting loans. But so, at, what, at what point in the process do do they get the permits before they start to go apply for loans for a construction loan? Generally speaking, in order to the uh, uh, I'm going to give you a caveat here. The construction loan space is a lot more art and science in some ways, so it's not as technically consistent across yeah. different banks. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, you need your plans and your permits and your costs, your budget, right? right? Yes. They'll do a cost validation on the construction cost, make sure that everything that you have in your budget is actually an, a, a clear and accurate indication of what the cost will right. be. Right, they'll get like a third party and right. then... And then they'll make sure that your their contingency factor is is up. Is they'll up to get bar. an appraisal done. Make sure your as completed value makes sense in the whole transaction. Right. They'll typically run it through fund control. Hopefully, third party fund control if they can, which monitors the disbursement of funds from your loan. Right. So day one, it you generally fund your portion of the loan proceeds up front, mm -hmm. and they fund the bank will fund their portion over time as you get to certain milestones and they usually, in your they construction usually, they usually project. They go out and they get it in, inspected. Is it every month or every time there's a draw? Uh, generally before a draw and on the construction schedule, if you will, it's a little bit different state to state depending on the code and everything else. But generally yeah. speaking, as you go through things, like you're not going to close up the walls until you have your electrical and your plumbing checked this by. Is, that's got to be the most fun. What? You're just seeing a project like from beginning to end. I, I like it. I love the business personally, it's but I will tell you there's, it, it is so much riskier than people appreciate. A hundred percent. Yeah. Especially if you're dealing with someone that, doesn't necessarily know what they're doing or maybe they have too many projects going on at one time especially in a market like this so this is where during the great recession the buzzwords were contingent liabilities okay right liabilities that you would only have to pay contingently what does that mean if you had recourse liability or non-recourse liability a lot of people don't understand this concept right so there are loans that you get where you guarantee your loan mm-hmm where you say, if in the worst case event scenario that I can't pay you, yes, I am standing behind it. You can come after me and my assets. You can come assets, after me, right? Right, yes. So every home loan you've ever gotten is personally guaranteed and by I feel, you. I feel like most people listening think that, it, it, that, how is this not the case for all loans? I'll give you a great example. Right. In a piece of commercial real estate, the bank is gonna first look to how much money this property makes on its own. You have nothing to do with this. If I could rent this out for market rents or its current rent in place, the lower of the two, right? does it cash flow at the loan amount that you want? Does the property itself generate enough revenue to pay for the expenses of the property and the mortgage? Correct. That comes up, that's represented in the form of a debt service coverage ratio, but effectively it's just a ratio indicating your, your income versus your expense. Yes. And when you divide the two, you got to get, typically speaking, north of 1.15 or 1.2 to 1. Depending on how conservative the institution is. Right. That being said, then the second thing the, co the company is going to look at, or the bank, that, or the lender, whoever's giving you the money, is going to say, okay, what's the loan to value? How much equity is in the property? How much skin in the game do you have if it's a refinance? Or how much right. money are you willing to put in if it's a purchase? Right. If it's a $10 million investment real estate property, mm -hmm. and they get a $5 million loan against it, they have $5 million in equity. Correct. So now, now a tertiary or a third source of repayment is your sponsorship. Yes. You don't need that in the lending world. You typically only need two. Three is always kind of the milestone, like bare minimum. Mm -hmm. But in a non-recourse loan, they have one and two. If those numbers are strong enough, the cash flow is strong mm -hmm. and the low TV, LTV is low. Right. They will, they will consider giving you a non-recourse loan, which typically has bad boy carve-outs. 
in the event of fraud, mm-hmm. misrepresentation, or deceit. Yes. And these carve-outs that Chris is talking about, they're in the they're in the loan documents, meaning like, okay, we're not making you personally guarantee this loan, but should any of these things happen, you will be. Fraud, misrepresentation, or deceit. So if you if you if you commit fraud as it relates to the project, you lie about something like your rent roll, your operating statement. If you misrepresent something, which is very similar but slightly different, or you intentionally deceive, yes, you can tell these are bad character acts. Right. Then we will trigger your individual liability here. If not, we'll we'll take the property and we'll accept what we have. And the especially bank, in a state like California. Well, in the state of California, we have a, a one action rule, right. right? Where effectively, from a legal perspective, you have two choices. I can go through a judicial foreclosure, which is a lawsuit and suing somebody into mm-hmm. the court system. Or you can go through a non-judicial foreclosure where you're saying, I'm taking the property, I'm entitled to it, they've defaulted, I want it. Right. But you lose your ability to go after that individual guarantor, even if they provided a full recourse guarantee. Right. So in states like California, non-recourse lending is a lot more common because number one, you typically have lower loan to values because you can't get the cash flow. The, the value in the land is so high. Yes. You can't get the loan amounts high enough because the cash flow is never going to support the, the the dollars you would need in order to, to get a loan on the value of the property because the value is just so high in the land. Right, like on these investment properties, like the way some people get only put three and a half percent down on a single family residence, like you're not getting that on, let's just say, a, a multifamily, like an apartment building, right? You're lucky to get 60% in California. Yeah, exactly. Which means you got to come in 40% or more to buy a property. Right. Which is why syndications are also a big thing in California. Right. A lot of people getting together, pooling money, and then buying a property, and they get a crowdfunding. Yeah, parapursuit portion of the proceeds that way. So all this to say, the credit markets are tightening up, and the landscape is changing pretty dramatically. So I I think um, it's pretty obvious now that the impacts of the banking sector in these types of lending will be impacted. Yes. But what's already being impacted are the jobs. Absolutely. And it's, I think we haven't seen the tidal wave hit. I think we thought we saw the tidal wave hit when you saw Meta and some of these larger companies well, lay Meta off. just came out with another round. Big, big round. Big yeah. round, yeah. I think that it matched their first round. Right. Mm-hmm. So this article from Bloomberg Business, which my favorite news source came from Instagram. <laughs> I get a lot of news from Instagram these days. I'm, I'm actually disappointed in myself. Mm. A rush of layoffs began in late 2022, and it isn't letting up making the worst start to a year since 2009. So for reference, our underlying supposition has always been that this recessionary economy started January 1st, 2022. Right. Two trailing successive quarters of negative GDP growth, which has traditionally been the definition mm-hmm. of a recessionary economy, took place and ended on 6-30-2022. The National Bureau of Economic Research will typically come out, look at the data, and then say, okay, in all the last 10 recessions, they went back to the first day of the first month of the six successive months, which had negative GDP growth. AKA January 1st. January 1st. Like most recessionary economies, unemployment peaks after the recession ends. Yeah, I think I remember you saying that uh, during the global financial crisis, the Great Recession, mm-hmm. um, it peaked at like 10% after the recession was declared over. Correct. So here's an interesting perspective that I want you to keep while we're reading to this article. This is the worst start to a year since 2009. The Great Recession ended approximately around that time. Yes. So you can kind of see the magnitude. If we are not deep into a recession now and this gets worse after the recession is over, right? these numbers are going to get way worse right. before they get better. So 
with nearly 52,000 jobs lost in one week in January alone. Since October 1st, executives across sectors have sacked almost half a million employees around the world. They according, was, they you know, was sacked, it was huh? very, very descriptive. That, it was they, very harsh. They, why does it have to be executives? Why can't it just be people have yeah. sacked? I mean, yeah, sacked is just... C-suites? Huh? Okay. I, I mean, I, the first reading of it, I, what I was thinking was, um, rich assholes <laughs> across many sectors have kicked people in the ding-ding, almost half a million employees <laughs> around the world. It translated loosely. Yeah. <laughs> according to comprehensive reviews by Bloomberg News, nowhere are the cuts as deep as at Amazon, which alone will wipe out close to 30,000 jobs. Meta takes the second place with 21,000, but the carnage extends far beyond tech. Almost 800 firms have laid off employees since October. Now, we have mm -hmm. a nice little dot chart here, which talks about where the majority of these things happen. And I think there's value in going over these numbers. I wonder if any of these are crossovers, though. I'm sure some of them are. 149.3 thousand jobs in technology. Mm -hmm. 108.7 thousand jobs in consumer discretionary. But yet the spending's still there. Shocker. 49.8K mm -hmm. in financials. 48.6 thousand jobs in industrials. 43.6 thousand jobs in communications. 26.2 thousand jobs in healthcare. Consumer staples, 15.3 thousand. Real estate, 13.1 thousand materials, super ambiguous, 12.2 thousand. Energy, 3.7 thousand. Those are all the guys in the wheels that spin around the wheels while they're riding their bike to turn the power. <laughs> and 2.5 thousand in utilities. Those are the solar panel guys and materials are the people at Hobby Lobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they ain't no hobbies right now? Yeah, can't afford no hobby? It's just a lobby now. I can't afford a hobby right <laughs> yeah. now. Can you what, afford what, a hobby? This, what do we, what, this is what we're doing. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somebody asked me if we got paid and I was like, nah, man, it's a hobby. And they're like, you do a hobby and you don't get paid? And I'm like, you get paid at your hobby? And he's like, yes. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, people have, people have asked Wait, me too. Wait, what's that hobby then? Huh? What hobby does that have? He said he had some weird small side business that was like his hobby that was a passion project that turned into a... I don't want to call it out because it's kind of okay, weird. Okay. It's really, but, yeah. It, it, it's got to get weird though once you start getting paid for your hobby. Speaking of which, if you're a sponsor and you're interested in talking <laughs> to Higher Standard... Yeah, we're, we're taking applications. Yeah. Arun would be glad to filter through your many requests and find the best suited candidates for sponsorship for this program. Right. We would like you to know that we claim no potential inflow of buyers to your company, but we'll love you nonetheless. Yeah, we'll love you nonetheless. Just go check out our five stars. People like us. And while you're there, please feel free to leave an honest five-star review. <laughs> please do. Please. Yeah. We on all platforms. Now. Now. <laughs> People have been listening though, and they've been coming through, so we appreciate you guys. Seriously. You had to say seriously because I wasn't serious before. It, was, it wasn't serious before. I, I felt like every every couple of days when we go and check, there, there's another update. I mean, there is. You that's, know, a, that's the only way we get paid. I probably should segue this into something like um, inside Apple's countrywide cost cutting measures. Uh -huh. Before we do that, uh -huh. you didn't see the pimp slap that the CEO of TikTok in the. In I the didn't US see it. Said. No, you told me about it before the show. God damn! I was so I was listening to this all morning long. He was getting pimp slap, or he was doing the pimp slap. No, he was getting it. And I'll, I'll say this: that guy, he took. Arun, can you do me a favor? Can you can you Google uh, CEO of TikTok in the U.S.? That'll it'll come up as current events. Yeah, it'll, it'll come up. CEO of TikTok. Current, yeah, there we go. So Show Zichu, Show Chu, testified before the uh, House Energy and Commerce Committees. Why are you laughing, bro? What? I'm laughing, uh, Arun, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's not true. <laughs> I'm on mute. Yeah, 
<laughs> and you can't even see me. So in this congressional hearing, it is true. He is on mute. And you can't see. You can't see him or hear him. I, I don't. <laughs> Showed you? Oh, what? It's a great name. It's, I don't know if this guy is deceivious or or nefarious at all, and I couldn't really gauge it from from the questions and answers. But he took this shit like a champ. Why though? He was getting beaten to shit. He was just let me stay as professional as possible so that uh, they can not ban. They, I mean, and they they the senators were going after him. I mean, I mean, it was it was a I'll be blood honest, man. I don't like bat. TikTok. I really don't like TikTok. Well, I, I think he's trying to make his case to not ban it, and that China doesn't have the influence vis-a-vis the bite dance ownership. Come on, man. But I'm gonna tell you right now, he 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 did not sound convincing enough. Just I don't think he changed just, anyone's mind. Just based on the reports of how it operates in China versus how it operates here. So TikTok CEO Shozi Chu found little reprieve from either side of the aisle during a five plus hour hearing about the company's risk to U.S. national security. Five plus hours? Yeah, dude, I watched like a he solid He sat hour. there for five hours? He, he got his asshole torn wide open. Oh my God. There, there is no way to put it nicer than that. Yeah. This guy, and he took it like a fucking pro. Did I he, could not have done it. Did he look like he was like prepped and- he had the right answer for every question? No, he kept saying, like, there was certain instances where he said, I will get back to you. I don't know the answer to that. I'll have to get back to you. But he wasn't doing it too much, but he was, they were asking super technical questions, and he was like, I don't know. And they were all over the fact that, that apparently TikTok's, like, Chinese counterpart and the one in the U.S. share general counsel for some endeavors. And like, oh, you said they don't have any access, but this guy can access data. And uh. it, it was crazy. But, I mean, they were being borderline, just blatantly disrespectful to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chu's testimony did not seem to quell many concerns that lawmakers had about the company's connections to China or the adequacy of its risk mitigation plan, Project Texas. So here's what I'll say. I absolutely can agree with that. Having watched it, he didn't make anybody feel any better. And it's not because he wasn't trying. Right. Over the course of the hearing, lawmakers drilled down into TikTok's ties to China through its parent company. They did. Some of it was so purely speculative or based off rumor uh, one senator, I can't remember her name, pulled up a video which completely criticized her and she felt was like a risk, a health and safety risk to herself and basically said that it had been up for 41 days and you say you don't promote violence, but this video has been out there. And I'm I'm sitting here looking at the senator thinking to myself like, you're a public figure. Yes. Okay. Somebody didn't like you. Mm-hmm. They posted some stupid shit. Right. I don't want to be an asshole here, but how do you expect them to believe, how do you expect TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, anybody to police that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yet at the same time, I can say you suck on Instagram and get like a five day ban yeah. for inciting like violence. Going, going to Instagram jail. Yeah. That's not even though that's not, I mean, that's obviously very disturbing too. But the stuff that's most disturbing to me is how you can't just funnel videos of little boys or little girls away from adults. You know, like how they have like, you know, the, all the kids that do these dance challenges. And then there's creeps online watching these videos. Like you shouldn't be able yeah. to. You, in my opinion, you shouldn't be able to watch that shit. Well, look okay, well, that—that's a macro society. I mean, I don't—I don't, I get you. I hear you. Yeah, but that's a macro society problem. Like pedophiles are a real problem across the world. I'm not—I'm not saying that it's—it's it's not something that we shouldn't address. But these people are persistent assholes who find a way. Yeah. You—you you, you can put that on the platform as much as you want, but if people are really watching that. Mm-hmm. I would rather say, you know what, you can watch that, and then we'll watch you watching that and come for you. Mm. Otherwise, how, otherwise, how are you going to find out? You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to find some guy's computer like Jared from Subway. 
Yeah. Like if you're an adult watching a video like that, like your name should get posted below that you saw this. Yeah. Rather than aggregate the data and say, here, FBI, these people are looking at these videos. I see what they look at. Yeah. I mean, use, use the power for good then. You know what I mean? Like yeah. weaponize it. Right. But I, I don't know that getting rid of the entire platform solves that problem. These people will just go someplace else, darker and nefarious. True. At least if they're going there, you can you can track them down, hunt them down. True. Go get them. Go send it to somebody. You know, do yeah. some shit. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing that I did see, I saw the headline of this, um, that influencers were crying out loud, saying that 20 to 30% of their revenue comes from TikTok. And if they ban this, they'll be out. I got to be honest. That is, I, I am so far and I do not give a fuck about that. that <laughs> yeah. I can't even, like, yeah, I, I do exactly. not give a shit. Yeah. You, you guys will just hop on the next platform. Yeah, you'll figure it out. I do not care. Now, I'm not looking to make Instagram or, you know, Meta, like, the, the place to go. I think Twitter's got a hold on things right now, too. I think they're, they're really improving their platform. But, you know, it, it's hard to argue with the fact that, that algorithm does some goofy shit. I've, I've experienced it firsthand. Yeah. Goofy shit. I don't get too far off topic. Let's talk about Apple for a little bit. Okay. One of my favorite companies. I like minus this article. The, minus the buy now, pay later stuff. <laughs> yeah, that was such a weird swerve by them. I, I don't know. I don't understand. I, I, so I like this article because Apple has tried to avoid layoffs because the public image, right? They, they've been viewed as a different type of company for a lot of different reasons. Oh, yeah. So they're, they are pulling every lever they can to cut costs enough to avoid laying off full-time employees. So uh, Tim Cook went on, a, I think, a podcast, and he talked about this. So Arun, uh, go ahead and go down to the, the article clips that I posted in, in the notes. Or yeah, here you go. That's fine. Yeah, here's what Apple has done so far to avoid layoffs. Listen to some of these things, right? Mm -hmm. Number one, the company is delaying bonuses for corporate teams that previously received payouts twice a year. That's pretty straightforward. They hold cash longer, make more money on it, right? right? So now those teams will get their entire bonus in October, matching the schedule of most colleagues, other tech companies. So they're not losing one of their bonuses. They're just getting it together later. Yeah, but that allows the company to accrue for longer and then yeah. help make interest in those funds. Apple has already factored that money into its finances. It gets to keep that cash on hand a little longer. That's what I was talking about. Some projects, including new home devices, like a HomePod with a screen, which I was really looking forward to, Really? Yeah, I want that. You have the other HomePod? I don't have the HomePod. I, I would buy the HomePod if I had a screen. What does it do? It's like Siri, but with a face. What do you use Siri for? What do you use Alexa for? Uh, what's the weather? That's it. Okay, what if she could show you the weather? That's it. I don't want, I don't, just tell me if it's raining. You know what I want it it's for? It's called opening a window. Okay. No, I, well, I live, show me the, I live show in me one city. I work in another city. What are you talking about? This They're guy. like five miles from each other. What are you talking about? See, you're not like in Idaho, bro. I can't see Irvine from Anaheim. You know if it's raining in Irvine, it's going to go to Anaheim. Not, but what if it's the other way? Arun, you want to talk to your boy or you want me to? <laughs> no, I put myself on mute. Yeah, good call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good call. Anyway, that project has been pushed back until next year at the earliest. That allows Apple to allocate its research and development budget to more pressing projects. Mm. This is where it gets interesting. The company has reined in budgets across several teams and is now requiring senior vice president's approval for more items. So you push down approval to delegated approval authorities down to the SVPs, right. and then you make sure they approve more of the cost-spending measures. Mm -hmm. Apple has completely paused hiring on some teams and severely limited hiring on others. Okay, so now you're controlling your workforce a little bit. Right. And this is the second part of that controlling the workforce. When some people leave their positions, Apple is keeping those roles open rather than filling them. So with time, you're effectively having a layoff. You're just never hiring them in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. Or replacing them. So 
In some cases, Apple is limiting the ability for employees, both in corporate and in retail, to transfer to other departments, a process that typically has accompanying costs. Last year, Apple laid off many of its recruiters on contracts, non-full-time employees. It also quietly cut contractors in recent weeks who had been stationed within engineering teams and other groups. I mean, that's got to be the right move first, right? Travel budgets have been significantly reduced and trips now require the approval of senior executives. For some departments, travel has been halted completely for the foreseeable future other than for critical business reasons. All sounds very prudent. It does. And, and it's it's funny to hear how like methodical they, they've been. I want yes. to get, get the whole list because I think it's, it's interesting, right? Managers have become a, as strict as ever about office attendance. So do you have any comments on that? Well, his soundboard was supposed to be crickets. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. Don't, no, don't do he it. He doesn't know which one yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. Managers have become as strict as ever about office attendance. Employees are typically expected to come in on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And some workers believe this is a harbinger to the company firing employees for those who don't meet the requirement. Three days a week, bro. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. All day. <laughs> yeah, all day. I'm good with that. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you go with that all day? All day, baby. Deal, shake my hand. Yeah, thir- I'll do Thursday. No, 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 Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday. You just said Tuesday. Fri- changing the deal before Wait, hold on, hold on. But hold on. Tuesday, Tuesday Wednesday, Thursday, all day, bro. But that That is super- No, no, you stuttering, Wait, hold on, hold stuttering on, hold a lot on. right now. Hold on, that is favorable to the employee. That is favorable to the you, employee. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all day. Bro, you could, you could take four-day weekends. Yes, but you're still working on Monday and I'm, Friday. I'm saying, I'm saying I'll give you Friday. This is the problem. You say four-day weekend. You're still working on Monday and Friday. Yeah, but I'm saying you go somewhere and so you, you exactly you, you, you tripped you, you up. Work with you. You said, "Oh, hey, your four day weekends." Not me. No, you get two day weekends. You're still working on Monday and Friday. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm saying but in people your mind, can, that's four people, day weekend. Yeah, no, that's not, you just said it. That's not, I just said I just on. played back no, no, your no. tape to you, and you're upset about <laughs> it. You could take a four. Don't you point those hairy knuckles. You at could me. take a four day weekend, go travel somewhere, and work work somewhere far away. That's not a four day weekend, bro. That's two days working while traveling. I know some. I know some people that work on the weekend. I don't. Don't don't try to use my own work ethic against me to yeah, prove your I sorry ass I said, point. I don't, I don't. Shame on you. Okay. That's terrible. Three days a week. That's Black trash. Guy. What is that? Three days trash. a week? You're bragging about this? I'm going le- to read it again. Managers have become as strict as ever about office attendance. Mm-hmm. I come as with- strict as ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's leave it there. In the real world, Apple is taking a closer look at work attendance and hours. Hmm. <laughs> and that's raised concerns as well. In some cases, employees fear they may be fired if they can't reach a certain number of hours. Jeez. Some staffers also believe Apple is taking a tougher line in order to get employees to quit saving the company money. Mm. That's Suddenly, it doesn't seem like you've got it so bad. That's a little bit of a stretch. Though. What are they really? They're not. It doesn't seem like none of this is too harsh. Oh, OK. Well, then allow me to go on. OK. Retail employees also say in some cases that if people call in sick or are absent for other reasons, Apple isn't replacing their hours. The company is also getting rid of, quote, special sick time, end quote, for time missed due to COVID, asking staffers to use normal sick time instead or not get paid. I mean, mm-hmm. Apple isn't always replacing workers when they leave. Some retail staffers have said, and firings for standard reasons rather than mass layoffs appear to be up, they say. All right. This is all fine and dandy. I've got a question to ask. Wow, you, you got a whole different temperament. We've got the last few I got, paragraphs. I, I, got, I got a question. Fine and dandy? <laughs> That's what you're going with? <laughs> I got, it's all fine and dandy. Mm-hmm. But I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, seriously. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite Apple product? Oh, man. My iPhone. Oh, I guess though. I, I mean, okay, accessory. 
My favorite accessory? Apple accessory. HomePod. Apple Watch. Apple Watch? I'm going with AirPods, baby. I like the AirPods, but here's my problem with the AirPods. I've got the pros and the regulars. So you got you Christopher owns something regular? I like the regular more than the pros. Because the pros you have to fit in your ear a certain type of way in order to get the like the 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 suction, you know. In order to get the proper fit, you gotta you know yeah. the suction you gotta get the proper fit and get yeah. them fit in the right. Yeah. Uh and then you it blocks out everything when you're walking. Mm-hmm. I like the regulars because it doesn't block out too much noise. And I can still kind of do like talk to people and have you know have them in and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and it's just easier to put in and out. I love my Apple Watch, honestly. I like I just enjoy having it. It makes my life easier. Um, I get it's not for all, all people. A lot of people like to feel disconnected, but I like knowing that like if my phone's away, I got my watch on me, and I'm I can always access it. Yeah, I, I but, Apple but Watch for me, product. the AirPods. Listen to this. I don't know if you've heard this before. This is crazy. Apple made $12.1 billion in revenue in 2021 from AirPod sales alone. Yep. I buy it. Air, AirPod revenue is more than the revenue of Spotify, Twitter, or Shopify. Yeah. God damn. You want to know how they got that? Uh. Hey, America. <laughs> we're going to sell you this Apple uh, phone. We're not going to give you any uh, phone jack anymore. Yeah. You get Bluetooth. Otherwise, you got to hold your phone. But we're not going to actually include the headphones that pair with your Bluetooth. You're going to have to buy those separately. Yeah. And if you think you're going to buy, I don't know, some headphones you can plug into it, it's going to require Apple plug. You have to buy it from us anyway. Yeah, the, it's a doggle. So, oh, and if you want some of these features that work with your phone's technology, mm-hmm. it's going to be a, have to be an Apple or Beats product, which yeah. we also own. Yeah. They own all. So, yeah, go ahead. Let us know what you want to buy. Yeah, let's, exactly. Yeah. It, it's a- absolutely insane, man. Yeah, man, I, I love it. I love the yeah. I I love the AirPods. I'm due for a new pair of AirPods, even though I have. Uh, I use the Beats at the gym now. I, I like I like they're so big. They tell you not to fucking talk to me. Yeah, fuck off. Yeah, I like, call I call them fuck off headphones. Don't fucking talk to me. Yeah. yeah, that's what they're for. Yeah, people wear the Apple like the the high end ones. The you know I'm talking about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The like the Air. What are they? Not Max Pros or something like that. AirPod Max, AirPod, AirPod, AirPod Pros or whatever, whatever yeah. they are. AirPod Max or yeah, some shit, like whatever they are. The Apple Bros. Yeah, those I don't like those. I don't know if people wear those at the gym. That's weird. Yeah, those seem like more like at home studio speakers. I like them because Sal works out in them. Does he really? Yeah. Yeah, he's like because Sal's ripped as shit. You obviously, obviously, the, it's it's the headphones that make him rip. Yeah, it might be it might be the testosterone. <laughs> I have this funny story to share with you guys. Seems um, like an inappropriate time, but sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's about this special sick time and just working remote. So uh, my wife started working at this new company earlier this month, and she has an office manager that works there as well, who, whom all work under her. She's a director there. So this week, she decided to go into the office and, and meet the team. So there's an office manager there that has not been coming into the office for the last three weeks, and she keeps messaging my wife every morning. like, hey, I'm not uh, Pause gonna- right here. Do you want to get your wife in trouble? Yes, be careful. Be careful now. Mm. Yeah. Did you, think this, did you think this through? Do any of your wife's coworkers listen to the show? I have no idea. Because I feel, I feel like you're going into fuck up territory right about <laughs> yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, you're going into like, I can't believe you shared this story. With, with the context of that, yeah. are you sure you want to continue? Yeah, I don't want to continue. Yeah. Uh, you're a good man. <laughs> you're a nice friend. See, I did yeah. that for you, bro. Yeah, Thank you. Write that down. Yeah, we, do wanna hear your, we do want to hear your stories. 
Speaking of possibly becoming uh, unemployed in a recession, mm. <laughs> probably the only way I can segue. <laughs> According to Fortune, already past the point of no return, J.P. Morgan says the U.S. is probably headed for a recession as economic engines are about to turn off. You know, it's not just it's not just them too. Uh, I saw Goldman Sachs raise their projection of a recession up to like thirty five percent. I was like, damn, just thirty five percent. You do realize that's actually quoted in the article, right? No. Tell me you don't read the articles. I'll tell me you don't read the articles. I didn't read this. Even if the government and the private sector are able to successfully contain contagion, I fucking hate that word, from the banking collapses spread through the economy, the failures may still lead to lasting damage for the U.S. financial system. Some banks are teetering, teetering. on the edge in Europe, Credit Suisse, <laughs> Love it. and the U.S., Signature Bank, Silicon Valley Bank, Silvergate, mm, kind of bank. While jittery markets and the promise of stricter regulation could lead to a credit crunch. Mm -hmm. The same shit that Jerome Powell himself had referenced. A steep decline in banks' willingness to lend caused by a lack of funds. It's not just that, though. It's not. People, Here's a quote, though, mm -hmm. that you clearly didn't read. The Fed is facing a difficult task on Wednesday, which we know they've already resolved, but it is likely already past the point of no return. J.P. Morgan strategist led by Marco mm, Kolonovic, yeah, the bank's chief global market strategist, who is not the chief economist of the higher standard, no. <laughs> wrote in a note to clients on Monday, here's a quote, you ready? Oh, God. A soft landing now looks unlikely. With the airplane and tailspin, lack of market confidence, and engines about to turn off, bank lending. Mm. Even before the Fed interest rate increase was announced, they knew. They yeah. knew it was going to happen. Yeah. This shit was out there. You can't tell me Jerome Powell didn't go, oh, shit. Right. But first of all, shame on you. I thought we blacklisted Fortune. We didn't blacklist them. We just said grain of salt. Grain of salt. Grain of salt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they are Fortune. And they have made pretty fucking bad calls on every single person they try to rep. Yeah. I didn't switch the article. I had some number. That's okay. I'm going to go on. Yeah. Hey, if you're a Gen Zer, <laughs> Arun, I can never get this straight. Oh, wait, so. wait. I, I, I just remember. Sorry. It's, Ooh, it, we're it, kind of past this in, now. In the, quote, in the quote, you said that uh, a steep decline in banks' willingness to lend caused by a lack of funds. It's not just... So, maybe some banks. It's not just lack of funds. It's not. It's if right. they perceive there to be more risk in certain product types, they're going to pull it back because they don't want to lose money. Yes, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're not. You're not 100 tonight. That's exactly. You, you what mean, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. You just cut me off. <laughs> I didn't cut you off. I got there faster than you. It's you the did, difference. You did. It's also 12:30. It is. Is it? Fuck. It's 12:14. Yeah. Um, Arun, do me a favor. Shout uh, out to the guy that actually messaged you about that. By the way, messaged me about what? What he said, he said, um, I was listening to you guys and you guys were talking about how it was super late and you just stepped away from your guys' family to do this. And it, oh, yeah, it yeah, gave yeah. Me, it gave me the motivation. Whoever, I, I didn't get that guy's name. Whoever, it's Ali. Yeah. Ali. Um, he and I have known each other for a long time. Ali uh, actually played basketball for a while. You probably know him. Mm. But anyway, he, this is what he said. Uh, no joke, man. I was having one of those lazy ass days a few weeks ago where I was trying to make excuses for myself to not get my work done. Then I remembered what you and Saeed said two to three months ago on an episode about going home after a full work day, seeing your family for a little bit, and then doing the podcast. Specifically, 
what Saeed said about seeing his son watch him leave at night to go to the studio. Yeah, I got my ass right back to work after that, LOL. With all these tools and opportunities, we really don't have any excuse to get shit done. I know, man. It's, I mean, even even tonight, like we got some uh, some stuff going on in the family right now with some health issues. My wife's attending to, and um, I had to drop my kids off at my mom's house just so that I can come do the pod. You know? Oh, I didn't realize you did that. Yeah. Now nah, I feel like a piece of shit. Thank you. It's commitment. So are they are they there overnight tonight? Then they're or? gonna spend the night over there, and then I'm gonna get there super early to get them dressed, fed for breakfast, and take them to school. So this is probably a bad time to tell you that I. I've had 8.30 more meetings every day mm-hmm. this week in the morning. I've had one chance to sleep in. I am going to sleep in a little bit tomorrow. Yeah, you deserve it. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like I do. So I do have one more recessionary article to talk about. Before I get there, I want to talk about Gen Z a little bit because I think it sets up a good kind of cadence for what we're going to go into. Yeah, but sure. I can never remember what age demographic is Gen Z. So can you look up the ages and I the, just the feel like years the, of Gen the, Z? <laughs> young people that just... <laughs> No, no, I just want to make sure I get the ages right. Arun, can you look up uh, Gen Z's like age demographic? Oh, thank you very much. That was very fast. How old is Gen Z in 2023? This year, Gen Z will turn anywhere from 11 to 26 years old. That's a wide range. 11 to 26? That's 15 years, really? While it may seem like a large gap, okay, yeah, Gen Z's 15 years is actually not uncommon for a generational group. Millennials and Gen X both span 15 years as well. It's boomers who have the largest age range from 18 years between 1946 to 1964. Damn, I didn't know you were a boomer. I see. I knew you were going to say that. that I was, can't believe. I can't that was believe, such an easy I can't grab. believe you. I'm were, actually disappointed you took that. I, I'm really. I can't believe you've been holding out on this. this from, whole a professional, time. from a professional, a professional <laughs> standpoint, like I expect you to be more current and relevant than that shit. Okay. That's a terrible joke. You want to take it back? No, man. You're going to go with that. You, I can't believe you're denying this. Okay. Well, I thought we said. Wait, we're I zoned out. You're a boomer? I, Son I, of a bitch. I, I thought we were going to keep some level of integrity for the listeners. I thought so, too. And then you just went ahead and did all that shit. <laughs> yeah. All right. So if you're 11 to 26 years old, this is for you. This That's the demographic we're targeting. This goes out to all my 11-year-olds out there with credit cards. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we'll narrow it down from 18 to 26. 18 to 26. According to a new report from Credit Karma, members of Gen Z saw their average debt balloon to $16,283 in the first quarter of last year, up 3.1% compared to the three months through May. Damn, that's a lot. That's the biggest increase out of any generation, although their overall average debt was lower than their older counterparts. Mm-hmm. This from a fortune? Oh, who was this? Bloomberg? Who the fuck was this? Business Week. Business Week. There we go. I should probably keep the title so I know that. reports from Credit Karma. Yeah, I read that. Thank you for not listening. I appreciate you. Yes. You and Saeed tonight are on this like SAS level of 1,000. I need you to bring that down to like 500. You're so upset. You're so upset about not being able to get the live right. You're on edge. We'll we'll, we'll get there after this. I'm I'm fucking, I am on edge. I have got a whole, I've got a mental problem now. (laughs) Yeah. Because I I see streamers that are like fucking 12 years old that can figure out how to stream. Yeah. And I, for some, for fuck's sake, man, I can't do this shit. Yeah. Because you're a boomer. Damn it. (laughs) Boomer. I'm not. Yeah. I can't figure it out. And it's pissing me off to no end. Title of the show. Chris is booming. 
I'm going to have to use my goddamn phone tomorrow. And then Adam's going to make fun of me again for having the world's shittiest like internet link. It's just terrible. Yeah. I was hoping to come out swinging. You're going to have to do it somewhere else. With decades of high inflation outpacing wage growth in most parts of the U.S., consumers are increasingly leaning on credit cards to make up the difference. But Gen Z workers on entry-level salaries are having more trouble than their older counterparts keeping up with the soaring cost of living. Younger generations weren't just taking on debt at a faster pace than older generations. They were falling behind on payments too. Gen Z was the only generation to see an increase in past due accounts. I believe it. Y'all fucking up. I believe it. We know that those 90-day delinquencies are creeping up. We know that Q4 last year had the highest increase in a quarter for credit card debt. Yep. And right now, the average annual percentage rate on a new credit card offers for offers this month, 23.65%. That's the here's, highest in decades. Oh, God. The so average APR on credit cards with balances being carried over from month to month, 20.04%. That's the highest since 1994. <laughs> Yeah, wow. So, I mean, we already know that you know, in- income's being squeezed with these higher interest rates. That means those minimum payments that you know people are paying. That's all that's all that they can afford right now. So, it should come as no surprise that this combined with obviously JP Morgan stands pre-Fed interest rate increase, there was a concern for a potential recession. Mm-hmm. Well, The likelihood of a U.S. recession is back on the rise for the first time since November 2022, according to the latest B of A fund manager survey released on Tuesday. About 42% of fund managers surveyed see a recession happening within the next 12 months, up from 24% in February. Goldman Sachs chief economist John uh, Hartzius noted last week he sees a 35% chance of a U.S. recession in the next 12 months, up from 25% previously. The increase in odds reflects, quote, increased near-term uncertainty, end quote, around the economic effects of small bank stress. Didn't didn't Bloomberg project 100% chance? Of recessionary economy? Yeah. I don't know that I saw that. We I think we cited it on the show. Odin, can you look that up? In the next 12 months? Uh, maybe, I don't, maybe, maybe that was the caveat. Maybe it wasn't within the next 12 months, but like, at some point in the near future, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that's a thing. I think. I think you're just hilarious. It's been a late, it's late night. And I get it. Really? I can't wait for Odin to pull this up. What was I looking again? <laughs> yeah. Can you please? Can you please Google Bloomberg projects 100% probability of a recession? Well, I like to end the show on a positive note, so I've got um, a little something for you as a gift. I wasn't going to include this in the show. I saw it. I thought it was a fascinating article, and I wanted to read it. Uh, let's see, here we go. Uh, the latest recession probability models forecast a higher recession probability across all time frames, and including a 100% probability of an economic downturn by 2023. The previous model had that probability at 65% from the comparable period. Oh yeah, Bloomberg economists forecast 100%. We covered this on the show. Yeah. Wait, did you cover it or did I cover it? We both, we covered it. The way I covered that ass. You're a team, Chris. A team. No, no, I feel like we don't work together very well. well I cover, I cover the- it because you're on the bottom and I'm on the top. Power bottom is a difference. <laughs> October 19th, 2022. Yeah. That's, that's the date of the article. Yeah, bro. We covered it on the show. October. You got like five months, bro. What do you mean? That's how good I am. I can cite, I can go back five months and recall an article. I'm saying no, go, no. Go, go, whoa, 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 whoa. go back five. You got like, okay, 
April, May, June, July, August, September, October. You got seven months. But my point was that Bloomberg had projected a hundred percent chance of a recession in the next year. You said that's what I said, didn't I? Yeah, you did say that. that, you, that you were right. Yeah. I was wrong. I apologize. Uh -huh. You're a cranky bitch, but sometimes you're a correct <laughs> cranky bitch. I go. I would slap okay. me if I was long enough. You're short, cranky bitch. Okay. Coinbase Global said on Wednesday it had received a notice from the U.S. Securities Exchange Commission warning that the cryptocurrency exchange could face a civil action over some of its products. Mm. As a lover of cryptocurrency, I thought you might find this interesting. <laughs> Shares of Coinbase were down nearly 12% at $68.18 or $68.18. In extended trading, a Wells notice shows that SEC staff intend to recommend enforcement action against the company, mm -hmm. but it does not allow result in charges or signal, does not always allow result in charges or signal that the recipient has violated any law. You knew I was going to fuck up reading something tonight. You know, I was actually going to give you kudos because you did great until then. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. Yeah. It's been a long day. Yeah. Um, the potential enforcement actions would be tied to aspects of the company's spot market, its Coinbase Earn, Coinbase Prime, and Coinbase Wallet products, it said. Coinbase also said its services continued to operate as usual after the notice was issued. If the SEC goes after you, I will never understand. I will never, <laughs> I will never. How is Bitcoin at 28000 That That's the pivot now, man. People are like, oh, the bank system is going to fail, man. It's terrible, man. Let's short the stock, and while we're but, at it, let's buy some crypto, man. Meanwhile, crypto has failed like three times over the last decade. No, no, no. It's just dipped. It's in a winter side. Yeah. It's a crypto winter. Yeah. It's having yeah. an El Nino. I don't, I don't get it. You're not meant to get it. Sometimes you can't rationalize crazy, brother. And that's right. what cryptocurrency is. If you ask the master of crypto, crapo, crypto crapo. There you mm -hmm. go. Do you think they're at... There's any part of this where Charlie Munger. There's clearly some uh, um, hedge funds out there that know how to manipulate a system, or okay, and they're preying on these people that are just buying into this, right? They're, it's almost like a cult-like following. I don't think it's as nefarious as that. I think people just right buy and, it as a hedge, and and no, but they're hedge fund managers preying on these young people and they can actually control with how much they're buying and selling in the market. I'm sure there's some algorithmic trading going on, sure, but you know, do I think it's yeah, I don't think it's that manipulated. I honestly just think there's a lot of people underestimate the impact of the retail trader over and over and over and over and over again. I've seen it over and over again. Mm. You gotta understand the retail trader can influence a lot of things. The consumer who wants to buy the one individual is not powerful. But millions of individuals who want to buy right. and can buy whenever they want from their mobile device, they are powerful. Right. The and same you can't way, underestimate them. The same way one depositor taking out their money is not the same as million depositors taking out their money mm -hmm. from a bank. Yeah, it's it's very different impact. Mm -hmm. And it has been a long night. So, uh, let's see. Arun brought up uh, SEC charges. Oh, wow. Tron founder Justin Sun. Celebrities. Lindsay Lohan, Jake Paul with crypto violations. I saw this earlier today. And I thought to myself, are Lindsay Lohan and Jake Paul really celebrities? <laughs> Jake Paul for sure. Lindsay Is Lohan? He? Lindsay Lohan still? Yeah, man. He's got that young that Gen Z. Oh man. But what is he really famous for? He was he was a YouTuber. That, that's what it was. Who's now a boxer. That's what it was. Is what? that a career or is he just a hype builder? 
He's a hype builder. Yeah, but that's what it is. He's, yeah. he, he, he pr- promotion marketing. I just feel like if you're going to be known for something, they're so you good. shouldn't be known Him for just his... being promotion. He ha- his skill set. He well, hold should... on, hold on. He's 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 beat some notable people though. I'm not saying that he's not a talented boxer. Yeah, but if you're going to be known for something, like apply if he that marketing hype, that skill that he has, if he would have built a fucking company with that, but he has. This is a company. I understand this is his form of a company, but if he would have right. built like a traditional company, right? Actually, put in the time to do what all these people don't want to do: work a nine to five. He's I'm and build you right something. Now, I'm telling you right he now, okay, I don't like. It. I don't. I, I personally, it's not for me. His form of content is not for me. But he's working more than just a nine to five. These guys are working around the clock. This is what makes them so successful, right? If they have an idea, he has a whole team behind him that let's make this video, put it out tomorrow. That's what he has over the entire market. Yeah, see, I don't. I don't really know enough about. Like, yeah, no, these kids are these kids are crazy, and they're they're they've they've studied. Er- Everything that's ever happened on the internet, the beef that he had with his his own brother, they're leveraging both fan bases, just like Kanye and Drake, right? Just like Kanye and Fifty Cent, like that's what that's what they're doing. They're just leveraging both platforms at all times, right? I'm so oh. glad I don't have to buy into popular culture that he like gets. I, Me too. Like, just to try to dissect all this shit now is so frustrating. None of it's real, man. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah. I just thought it was really interesting that they got fined four hundred thousand dollars, right? But no, no, it's a good article and it's, dude, it's relevant. Right, so this yeah. kid, his brother, his brother's got this. I think it's an energy drink, Prime, right? All these kids are drinking it now. All of them. I was at Target the other day, like with my kids, just doing some shopping or whatever, and like young teenagers were passing by and like, Dad, can I please get a Prime? Dad, I, it was it was like a teenager. But here's the part that bothers me about this in the macro world now is like, if you want to get a new product to market. The only way to accelerate your scaled growth is to get some asshole celebrity behind you mm. to pimp it. Like FTX and Tom Brady and the whole squad. Don't even get me started. Kevin O'Leary, FTX. Oh my God, this $15 guy. $15 million. What a piece of shit he was. He was openly out talking trash about crypto. Man. Got $15 million from FTX and was like, I love crypto. It's amazing. I think, I think Hassan Minaj had him on the Daily Show and grilled him on it. As he should be. It was, it was, it was masterful. I loved it. I loved every second of it. Kevin O'Leary, honestly, show, and this is another reason why I think Shark Take is the world's most dog shit show on television. Yeah, I hate, I hate that show. Me too. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was, I, I was victim to it too I, in the beginning. I felt like a sucker because I did enjoy it at one point in time, like ten years ago. All those companies fail. The yeah. ones that even get there fail. Yeah, uh, my and favorite, my favorite is when, when they go there and they're just they'd say no to every offer, and then. The sharks all get upset. Like you're just using us for leverage and marketing. The yes. same way you are. Yes, the same way you are. Yeah, I know. It's disappointing. Yeah, the way this stuff really works behind the scenes, and that's why we give you 100 percent genuine sexy every goddamn time. At least we try to. Try. I'm getting sexy as fuck right now. We talking. You know. About? So I have weekly haircuts. You do tomorrow. I know. I know. Why are you rubbing this in every single time? I'm talking so, to you? so uh, on every Friday. What time's your haircut on Fridays? 11 o'clock during my lunchtime. Ooh, Apple would have fired you. Lunchtime, bro. Apple would, you know, we both know you don't eat at 11 o'clock. Yeah, 11 o'clock. boy! <laughs> 11 o'clock. So, um, but now, because we record on Mondays and Thursdays, changing my haircut days to Thursdays. Stay fresh for the show. I'm not putting that much effort into getting sexy for the show. Why? I've accepted that I'm a happily married man, and now I'm trying to pare down my sexy. That's what. That's what. This is for what, my wife. That's what you call it. Those are the excuses. Yeah, Sorry, that's what boomers say. 
God damn it, Arun. You do it. <laughs> You're not that much younger than me, man. Yes, he is, though. No, he's not. He is, though. It's because he's your age. Bro, you, you, first of all, you're barely clinging on as an 80s baby. Like, you're, like I can't believe you call yourself an 80s I baby. I was born in 1980. Yeah, barely. Barely hanging on. Come on, bro. <laughs> wow, what a dick move this is. <laughs> Come on. Jesus. A guy born in 1980 is no longer an 80s baby? What's... Come on. You know, 80s? You're going to take, you take that away from me now? You're an 80 baby. When were you born? Wait, you're an 80 baby. What year were you born? 86. Okay, shut the fuck up. Swear to God. I know, but that doesn't make you like... Six years ain't nothing in the grand uh, scheme of things. Bro, do you wish you were six years younger? No. <laughs> I love being 42. <laughs> the best. I pulled my back the other day sitting on my son's oh, bed trying to hug him. God, I can't believe it. I turned around and then I thought... Oh, Saeed does this when he moves too, because <laughs> he's moving that, that tummy fat. Yeah, <laughs> he's twisting that, that momentum. Dude, okay, we started. Oh man, I'm not reading his quotes. I'm a millennial. Is that what I am? I'm technically a, mil a millennial. Yeah. No, Generation X. Is my Gen X? No, I can't really. Yeah, Why yeah, is he 19, since to 1980. Circa, right. yeah, yeah. I guess it was in two lines. It was very weird. I'm Gen X, son mm. of a bitch. <laughs> That's awkward. I'll be, I'll be honest. I have no. I had no idea that I was a, considered a millennial. Yeah, you're the generation that fucked everything up for everybody else. What? Yeah, that's the thing. Why? What do they do? Arun, Google it. Google it right now. Google, wow, what are you gonna go? How did? How did? <laughs> the whole time he's like, I'm a millennial. Millennial. Now that he knows he's not, he's like, oh yeah. Fuck how, how did? How did millennials fuck everything up for everybody? Just Google it. It says millennials fuck it, everything it up says, for everybody. It says. <laughs> yeah. How did millennials get their name? How did millennials have lead to World War One? That's a good one right there. <laughs> How did millennials fuck up everything? <laughs> Results. 11 things millennials ruined. Let's go there. Oh, this is great. For the listeners that stuck around this long. This, yeah. This 11 good. things that millennials ruined. Great this, article. This clearly from, based on fact. This from Mashable. It, it's either this or, you know, Bloomberg. Are you going to actually show us the article or are you just going to look at pictures? Okay. Here we go. Diamonds. They fucked up oh, diamonds. They also said the Olympics <laughs> up, up above. The or did it say the Olympics? You fucked up the Olympics and diamonds. Wow. How do you fuck up the Olympics? In June, NBC Universal CEO Steve Burke said, we wake up someday and the ratings are down 20%. If that happens, my prediction would be that millennials had been in a Facebook bubble or Snapchat bubble and the Olympics have or, come and they didn't know it. Or, and because the primetime viewership was down 25% for the coveted 18 to 49 age group compared to the 2012 games in London, okay, okay. fingers are pointed at millennials. Y'all fucked okay. up. Okay, hold on, fucked hold up hold the Olympics, Saeed. Right, this is going to sound really bad because I know we got a huge you fan base. fucked in, up the Olympics. We got a huge fan base in Germany. We got a huge fan base in France. We don't got, say some shit that's going to yeah, alienate listen, fans. I'm going to say it right now. I don't give a fuck. I'm doing it. What time is it? It's 1230. It's time for you to not fuck up our fan base. <laughs> listen, listen. We don't watch. This is why we don't watch the Olympics. Oh, you don't say we. Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't watch. You don't watch sports. Period. Stop the, it. It's the Olympics. Yeah, but I don't know sports. where you're going with this. So you know, yeah, we, uh, we reserve judgment right now. When I when I watch the uh, NBA Finals, that's the World Championship to me. That's what that is. Don't do that. Yeah, that's what don't I'm doing. Do that. Don't, yes. So now you're racist. So, We're gonna add racist. To this I'm shit. Not doing, so, who's racist? So millennials are racist, and they fucked up the Olympics. Come on, man. USA, you guys fucked up diamonds too. USA basketball. The diamond industry has been cutting its prices down due to the fact that fewer millennials are buying diamonds. You cheap motherfuckers. <laughs> it's because diamonds can come from <laughs> unethical origins, as the Daily Beast come suggests. On, listen, I don't like. Or diamonds. is it because diamonds are too expensive and millennials can't afford them? I like option B. Nah, man. We don't. I don't believe in blood diamonds. <laughs> you guys fucked up Barso. <laughs> How'd you fuck up Barso, Saeed? Honestly, who? Uh, 
Sales for bar soap are down among people the age 18 to 24, which means millennials are at it once again. Hell bent on destroying yet another outdated industry. And there's a footnote here. It says, if you're fat like a rune, you can't get it into your belly button. <laughs> <laughs> vacation time. You fucked up vacation time. We already knew that. That's why you think there's four-day work weekend. Millennials hate vacations. We like to work. Say it with me. Millennials hate vacations. And so, looking at a nation of people working very hard, millennials thought, let's destroy it. That sounds about right. <laughs> After meeting in their headquarters in an obscure speakeasy in Brooklyn, millennials decided they hated vacations so much that no one should be able to take them. Sure, the conditions they're working under are tough. They earn a little pay and aren't given many vacation days, yet there aren't any interest in taking them. That sounds like Not so they impress their supervisors, but just so they can stop vacations from the inside. Wow, you see that? that That's us saying we're trying to please Generation X and Boomers. You're sabotaging everything. You fucked up Great Britain, too. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Still confused about Brexit? Well, I bet it makes sense now that you know it was the result of fucking millennials once again. Unreal. While the majority of millennial voters wanted to stay in the EU, of all age groups, millennials had the worst voter turnout. This is the worst list ever. Look, you guys fucked up the workforce, too. Come on. The just workforce. Go, I just want to see the I could have told you this. Early in the show, we talked about the workforce. I just want to see the headlines. Keep going. Marriage? You fucked up marriage. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Okay, 50% divorce rate. Got it. Okay, keep going down. Millennials aren't getting married. Tree, are we trees? <laughs> trees? They fucked up the trees. <laughs> they want to kill trees. Uh, the last one's even better. You fucked up the American dream. <laughs> I got to read this one. 48% of millennials think that American dream is dead. The other 52% think they haven't officially killed it yet. <laughs> yeah. This is not because of the horrible financial conditions under which they've become adults. It is because they know that in order to take down America, they're going to need to destroy its dream. Man, we got to we gotta go after The them. Hangout sitcom. Y'all did fuck up the Hangout sitcom. There were so many good ones. There were so. What's your favorite one? Oh, come on. Full House. Fresh Prince. Fresh Prince is dope. Family, uh, family ties. Before your generation. Uh, or family, Boy meets world. Or family, Boy meets world. Or family, Jesus. Or maybe meant family matters. Yeah, whatever. What'd you say? Family ties. <laughs> I don't even know. It's, it's late, bro. That's a boomer one. <laughs> it's a boomer oh, one. Shut up. Just, just, step by st step by step. Day by day. Let's go. Keep going. Is that yeah. it? No, there's another one. Is there another one? You already looked at, it, haven't you? Sex. You guys fucked up sex. God damn it. <laughs> We're reading this one. Beloved by baby boomers. Yeah, and the reason for their existence, millennials figured out that the final way to destroy everything would be to just stop having sex. Mm. So they don't. This is actually this is actually true. Reports, Daddy's talking. Reports show <laughs> that sex among millennials is way down compared to previous generations. But those numbers are probably fabricated. No millennial has ever had any kind of sex. <laughs> no. It's it's true. Uh, I remember. I remember. Oh God, Jesse McGarry, you're awesome. Child, child, yeah, yeah, awesome. I remember Sal actually brought this up on an article that testosterone levels are decreasing at an alarming Don't try rate. To make this a serious conversation. No, I'm being serious. That that part is crazy to no, me. No, it's though. true. A I'm, lot. On, I'm on TRT. Trust me, I'm not the person that's ever going to judge you. Yeah, Arun, stop, stop stalking the writer. You make you make it a yeah, creep. You're now. a married man. Bro. I just want to know if she has any other good articles like this. <laughs> Okay, yeah. All right, we'll do that off the air. Yeah. Anyways, all right. Well, you should say goodnight, but you're a millennial asshole who's not appreciative of the audience, so I'm going to go ahead and do it for you. Good night, everybody. Saeed's going to go home and not have sex. <laughs> but no. we're not done yet. Oh, we're not? Oh, we got to do the review. Oh, we got to do the review. Yes, we do. All right. It's a hidden gem kind of review. It is a hidden gem kind of review. All right, let me pull it up here.
No, but I don't, sometimes it doesn't show, showcase the whole thing. Pretty sure it does. From BFile49, this podcast is one of my favorite these days. Founded through Mind Pump, thank you, and it is in my weekly rotation. Funny and legit financial information. Keep crushing it. Hashtag powerful fire emoji. I was going to say, you better mention the emoji. We on fire. Yeah, on fire. We love you, brother. We are a hidden gem. We're glad you, know, you found us. How do you know BFile is, is a brother? I don't. I love you, you just, ambiguous you just, you just named assume. person. This is, this is the problem with boomers, man. All right. <laughs> I just, just assume everything. Can't assume everybody's gender identity, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, I try. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Now, can you say it? Good night, everybody. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.